0: This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. We're having a conversation with someone and they respond and we think to ourselves, how did you get that from what I said? Where's that gap between what I think I said and what you think you heard? And my job is to help close that gap so that the leaders know whether they're talking one-on-one or one-to-many in virtual or in person, regardless of who the audience or who the stakeholder group is, that they can take the genius in their brain, the expertise, take the passion in their hearts, and know that when they open their mouth, it's going to land as intended and have that desired
1: impact. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there superstars, this is Karen and welcome to another episode designed to help you better lead at the top of your game. You know, many leaders are used to being the brains behind an organization and this is indeed their comfort zone, but frequently they lack the skills to be just as effective as the face and the voice in the front of the organization. And this is where our guest today helps leaders to bridge the gap. On today's show, we have a true expert that empowers executives to become confident, inspiring leaders through mastering what she calls the three C's of vocal executive presence. And those three C's are commanding the room, connecting with the audience and closing the deal. Dr. Laura Sokola is a leadership communications and influence expert who's also a renowned speaker and author of the book Speak to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. Although the three C's may sound simple at face value, during the episode, Laura goes deep in explaining the neuroscience and tactics behind each one. Get your notebooks out, my friends, because I guarantee there will be a tip or two that you'll want to implement starting tomorrow. And be sure to stay tuned After the episode, for just two minutes, to listen to my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to another episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. We are so pleased to have on today's show Dr. Laura. Sakola, And I'm sorry, I I hesitated a little bit because I wanted (laughs) to make sure I got her pronunciation correctly. But she is a leadership and communications and influence expert. She's a renowned speaker. And she's also the author of the book, Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. We're going to dig deep into um, some of her findings and thoughts in that book. But She is absolutely amazing. And she's also the founder of Vocal Impact Productions, where she empowers executives to become confident, inspiring leaders through her coaching and her on-camera trainings, of which I need some of her expertise. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Laura. Thank you so
0: much for inviting me, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Oh, it's an honor to have you. Well, We are super thrilled to have you on the show because we try to provide aspects, different aspects and lenses of leadership that professionals and individuals need to take into account. And making sure that you have a solid executive presence and a leadership brand is definitely very important. And due to your expertise, I was dying to get you onto the show. So but before we dig into some of your knowledge and work, we'd love to learn a little bit about you. So just for as much as you feel comfortable, can you give us a sneak peek into your personal life or passions? Lots of
0: passions. I love my family. I've got two boys who uh, are, you know him, them and my husband, of course, sun rises and sets with them. But uh, I am a foodie at heart. I love to cook. I love to eat. If I could Get paid to just eat my way around the world. That would be my my absolute everyday up and down, happy, big smile
1: on my face. So um, language, culture, and food,
0: that's a happy Laura.
1: Oh, that sounds like a happy Karen too. I think we're sisters (laughs) from different mothers. Yes, (laughs) sisters from different mother. Definitely a a foodie, love to travel. And actually, uh, my dream in my next life is to be a world-renowned sommelier, so not only Ooh. a authority, but uh, you know, uh, advise of, on the great indulgences of wine around the world. So that sounds wonderful. <laughs> Sign me up. I will be right there with you. Okay, sounds fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that, uh, Lauren. We'd love to. You know, let's dig deep into you know some of the work you're you're doing. So uh, why don't you first share with our audience a bit about Your uh, current company and how you're currently assisting clients and that piece of work?
0: Sure. Vocal Impact Productions, the real focus is executive coaching and trainings. So, whether it's one on one or in teams, groups, et cetera, it's working with the leaders who are used to being the brains behind the operation and need to be as effective as the face and the voice in front of it. And we all have those moments where we're talking and we're suddenly thinking to ourselves, you know what, that sounded better in my head or right, I or guess. we're having a conversation with someone and they respond and we think to ourselves, how did you get that from what I said? Where, where's that gap between what I think I said and what you think you heard? And my job is to help close that gap so that the leaders know whether they're talking one-on-one or one-to-many in virtual or in person, regardless of who the audience or who the stakeholder group is, that they can take the genius in their brain, the expertise, take the passion in their hearts, and know that when they open their mouth, it's going to land as intended and have that desired impact. Get people on board with the vision, get everyone rowing in the same direction towards that end goal that they want. So that's what we really help leaders to do.
1: Wow. You should be an absolute trillionaire because that (laughs) is what every single leader that I know I've worked with through our clients at Shackley Different Leadership always strive to want to be able to do, but unfortunately have a tough time and struggle being able to accomplish that. And I'm curious, what do you see as some of the major roadblocks to them being able to be better savvy in that area? Is it knowledge? Is it fear? Is it lack of expertise or something else?
0: It's almost never a lack of technical expertise. If anything, people often get stuck in what I like to call the expert's curse where they know too much about their industry, about their vertical. You're in finance, you're in IT and cybersecurity, you're in marketing, whatever it happens to be. And we forget that we need to translate that expertise for whoever the audience is and whatever their needs are. We can't just educate by the firehose method, right? Open mouth, turn on firehose, drown the audience in data, in details, in Minutia and get lost in the weeds, we have to think about, well, what do they actually know already or not? What blanks do we have to fill in? What do they need to know or not need to know? What do we love but is utterly irrelevant to them? Do we need to paint pictures? Do we need to tell stories? Do we need to give some background to something? And most importantly, why do they need this information? What information do they need? And how do we not just provide it to them, but we provide it to them in a way that makes it super easy for them to then take and plug and play for whatever their application is. If you're talking to someone in the C-suite, well, who, what do they need this information for? Are they going to, do they need to talk to investors, to the board? How do they translate that? If we're providing data that is more tactical, they need it for strategic planning. What is the relevance in the broader strategic plan? How do we help them see the relevance? of what we share in a way that is most valuable for their objectives. If you can translate that, that's where you become most valuable.
1: I so agree with that. So yes, and it's also very important for them to know that there's a variety of ways people take in data and information, right? Adult learners. So while you might be putting on a presentation or talking to them where you have to include a, a lot of data. You know, they might need to be conscious that there are others who might, uh, their eyes might glaze over <laughs> with all the data and they might have to uh, start out with the high level big picture of where they're going and then provide, you know, different uh, information inputs, if you will, uh, sure. based on those. So I, I absolutely love that. And I, I understand that one of the aspects that you share with your clients that's very important is for them mastering what you call the three C's of vocal executive presence. So I'd love for you to share with the audience members what that is exactly and why are these three so important?
0: The three C's are the foundation of everything that I teach. It is really, uh, very simply, the ability to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. And to, to quickly break those down, commanding the room is about how you show up. It's about your presence, it's about, can you catch their attention and keep it? There's a difference between commanding respect, commanding attention versus demanding it. If you have to demand it, you will never command it. So the way that you stand, the way that you articulate your ideas is going to hopefully captivate their attention and compel them to want to continue to pay attention and focus on what you're saying. That's the command part. Connect with the audience. As you're talking to them, there needs to be an establishment of a mutual relationship that says, you understand me and I understand you. In some way, shape, or form, we're on the same wavelength. And there, mutually, you can move forward. And then the closing the deal is not just about signing on the dotted line. It's not literally about a sale and that kind of a deal. It just means getting to yes. It means coming to an agreement together, even just moving the needle just half a click how do you come to that, that mutual understanding about what needs to happen next? Once you've got that, we understand each other better. We may not agree on everything. We may not have completed all negotiations and discussions, but we have a better understanding and are now able to take the next step together.
1: That's closing the deal. I love this. All three. The question about the first one, I believe it was command. What was that command? the room, the minute room. Curious, when we did our research for my book, we found that part of the efforts in commanding the room was making sure that you found a win-win topic of discussion that was important to both you, but also important to who you're trying to speak to or influence as well. Sure. Something that was a of interest or a pain point or a point of curiosity something that they were invested in so, um, that they couldn't just like find on Google. Um, so it's hard to lead someone if they don't feel they need to be led. Sure. I'm curious, is that part of what you saw and thought through with your clients as you read the book on the command piece, or did we just take it more from an execution lens, which is a bit different?
0: You know, I think identifying common relevance is essential for all three. You can't commands the room from the very beginning, if they don't understand why you're here and why they should be listening, you're right. already not going to connect with them because they don't even know why you're having this conversation and you're not doing any better job as the conversation goes along of clarifying that point. So there's a, a disconnect from beginning to end. And if you can't do the first two, you're not going to do the third one. So there's no deal that's going to be closed. The
1: door might be closed, but that's about it. No, that makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense. And Once individuals apply the three C's or as they do so, I'm sure it's tied into weaving what I call a red thread uh, throughout what the story you're trying to deliver. So that brings up the whole concept of compelling storytelling and, you know, how to and if you do that well, you probably will be regarded as a renowned expert. But I'd love to get your thoughts on the importance of storytelling and how that drives one to be considered as a go to expert or someone that has a very strong leadership brand. What is your perspective on that?
0: I think storytelling is a required skill nowadays. It is not enough to be a human spreadsheet who can just spit out data. That's yeah. nice, but that means you will be always the support person. When I need to pull out my calculator, I pull it out. It's a support tool. But if I don't need a calculation done in the moment, I'm not going to be using it. And I will certainly never have the calculator be. The center of my of my workspace. So if as a leader, the ability not just to tell stories in the, you know, rambly, entertainy kind of manner, it's not the fluff aspect. It is about can you bring the data to life? Can you help people understand the context? Can you make the information relatable? Can you make it something that inspires people, that shows purpose? Can you tell the the story behind the numbers? What doesn't the spreadsheet or whatever other document, what doesn't it tell you? What do I need to know to understand the, oh, behind all of it? So for a leader who can make that come to life, that's what I consider storytelling, whether it's literally or figuratively. Let me tell you what, what's, there was a client once who did this, that, and the other thing, or our vision and imagine the world in which, that's lovely, but that's not, that's a very narrow definition
1: of storytelling. Right? No, that makes a ton of sense. Well, one of the things that, you know, we always love to ask our guests is which of the seven leadership tactics or abilities that we talk about in my book really resonated with you. And I'm sure your my audience can tell, it, it wouldn't be a surprise to them, that you selected leading with executive presence. And the way you know we define it in the book is all about making clear and convincing either oral or written presentations in order to uh, deliver your perspectives in a way that influences others or compels them to follow your lead. But Forgetting our definition, I'm just curious for you why you think executive presence is just a critical skill uh, for high-performing leaders.
0: To me, honestly, I think that leadership, we all fall defined leadership in different ways. For me, leadership is an image. I don't care what your role is. I don't care what it says on your business card, if anybody has business cards anymore nowadays, but <laughs> it, regardless of your position, the difference between a boss and a leader is in the, much like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So you can be my boss because you outrank me, but you will be my leader if I choose to follow you, if I believe in your vision and I'm inspired to want to follow it and ter- help you turn it into a reality, if that gets my engine going as well. And the way that you communicate with me will be most likely one of the top, if not the top factors that determines whether or not in my perception, you are a leader, and specifically my leader. So that's the executive presence piece starts there. Definitely, and it doesn't does. matter. I should say whether it's a formal presentation and speaking right. engagement, or just a one-on-one conversation. Your Monday morning weekly team meetings, or just a one-off conversation with somebody. My definition of public speaking is anytime you're talking to someone besides yourself.
1: You're absolutely correct. And when you make an excellent point, because it is not necessarily you being on a stage per se, when we use it, because we focus on actual execution in one's day-to-day role, we talk about anytime you're speaking to anyone else, whether it's one or a thousand, being able to meet them where they are and have a convincing and compelling Story with a mix of you know facts and information as well as storytelling and presence is very important to capture their attention enough to earn the right for them to give you their followership. Yes, earning yeah. the right—that is exactly what it's about. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Laura, you know we love to peel back the layers of the onion a little bit and give our audience uh, listeners just a few distinct information and tips. And one question that really popped out for me is how do you actually get this done? And I understand that you have identified five speech pitfalls that might undermine your authority or influence. And I was wondering if you can run through those for us.
0: There are many pitfalls (laughs) that we all fall into. And we like to pick our favorites. We all fall into different ones at different times. So I'll share a few of them. The First one of course is just not thinking through the desired end result before you start talking. And whether it's in a formal presentation or just a one-on-one that you're having, a regular weekly meeting, when every engagement that you have, there are three I- levels of impact. And those three levels of impact are going to be cognitive, emotional, and behavioral. In other words, when you're done, how do you want what do you want people to know? Or how do you want them to think or believe something differently? How do you want them to feel? And what do you want them to do? How do you want them to behave? What action do you want them to take? And if you just walk in and say, here's just the stuff I want to talk about, the likely impact that you will have is none. Zero. (laughs) Right. Which at best people glaze over, they multitask, they don't know why you're just blathering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have stuff you want to talk about. supposed to saying, where do I want to go? It's like getting into your car, turning on the GPS and saying, calculate route. And it's going to look at you and say, to where? Where? Right. (laughs) I can't until you give me a destination. So we need to do the same with our conversations. Figure out your destination and then calculate route. How Do you need to approach this conversation to get people to where you want them to go? So no premeditated choice in the three levels of impact you want to have means your car is not going to leave the the starting point. You will have no impact in the end. So that's by far, I think, the most important one. So let's see the second one. We really don't realize that there is a gap between the movie that plays in our mind and what we think we're saying and the movie that plays for everybody else, what they hear. And we've all had those moments where we see ourselves maybe on a little selfie video after a party, a get-together, and 10 seconds later after the movie's recorded, we watch it and we go, oh my gosh, okay, yeah, that sounded better in my head, or what was I doing with my face, or who let me out of the house wearing that, you know, why didn't anybody (laughs) tell me that's what it looked like, all these things. But it's like, why are you surprised? Because you were there when you put it on, you were there when you made the video, you were there while you were talking, and yet- When we see it later, we're surprised. So I think one of the best tools that we can use to really close that gap between what we think we say and what they think they hear is the video. Take just a minute and pre, again, when you're planning that intention for the outcomes that you want, take your phone, go into a a room, close the door, talk to yourself, put on the, the recorder and just go through the first minute. You don't need to rehearse the entire presentation, just the first minute. In my book, I talk about what I call the 60 to 60 rule, which is that in the first 60 seconds, you're going to set the audience's expectation for the value that, they are go- that you are going to provide over the next 60 minutes or however long you're going to take. So just see, how are you launching into this conversation? What impression do you make? Are you organized? Are you empathetic? Are you confident? Are you pick whatever it is that you want to project? And then watch that video and say, was I anywhere close? on the same planet, much less the same GPS route. And if not, go back and adjust something. What you say or how you say it both matter to really see, okay, if I want to try to get this person to that end point, how do I need to deliver that so that it really does land and I don't utterly undermine
1: myself before I'm even out of the starting gate? You know, I love that 60 second concept because I'm one of those people that are very discerning about speakers and I can instantly tell if, I think that they're going to be compelling enough for me to want to listen through 45 minutes or, or not. And so you make a great point about making sure you're extremely dynamic and compelling in those first 60 seconds. So that going back to the term I love to use so that you earn the right to be heard further uh, by those that you're speaking to. So what a great, great concept.
0: And to your point, the, if I may just piggyback on that, there is, I think most people, when they are in that more formal presentation or meeting kind of context, virtually or otherwise, I'm mean, true or false, in the beginning, maybe the nerves kick in, the adrenaline kicks in a little bit, and they are kind of a hot mess in that first minute or two. And then eventually, they get into their groove. Right. That's what I hear all the time. Like, for, yeah. In the beginning, I'm nervous, but then you know the autopilot kicks in, and then I get into my content, and then I'm okay. So people practice or they prepare the middle content stuff, but they never think about how to open. They never think about the greeting. They never think about the introduction part because they feel like, well, that's not really heavy content. I can wing that. Well, but when you wing it, what happens? That's when you're a hot mess because your (laughs) nerves take over. That's when the butterflies take over the farm and we don't want that to happen. So work on just smoothing out that first minute. How do you want to open it? You should not have to think about what you say in That's that first amazing. minute. It should just kick in because you have planned,
1: you Brandy. have prepared,
0: and then you just coast on that on ramp for those first 60 seconds. You bypass the nerves and then you're in smooth sailing for the rest. But boy, does that first 60 seconds matter. Oh love that. Absolutely. Just priceless. <laughs> All right. I think we're up to number three. Oh my goodness. Let's see. The number three would be and that maybe three and four or two and three together on that last one. But the I would truly encourage people to focus on the sound of their voice, in particular, the tonality. And tonality is the highs and the lows, the melody of your voice. One of the biggest mistakes that people make, and it is uh, something that women get pegged for a lot more and younger women in particular, and that is a utterly unfair and false narrative that they do it, Uh, men and more mature adults and everything else do it just as much, is a pattern called upspeak. And upspeak, is that pattern that sounds like you're asking questions at the ends of all your phrases and sentences because your voice keeps going up the way I'm doing it now. And it is a habit that most people fall into at one point or another. There's a variety of reasons why we do it, but it is something that utterly undermines our authority because it sounds like we're uncertain, like we're asking a question. And it it literally mimics a a structure that's called a tag question, and it's in English and in many other languages as well, where you make a statement and then at the end you say something like, right, or you know, or okay. And if you want to ask that once in a while, fine, but you don't want to say it at the end of every sentence. So similarly, you shouldn't inflict it at the end of every sentence because if you do over and over it sounds like you're perpetually begging for validation and if i am constantly begging you for validation right you know okay you know what i mean then who really is the authority that's i have just funny. given away all of my power and assigned you as the lead in this so why would i do that we need to make sure that as we're making a point we have a period at the end of our sentences and then we can start with the next sentence that's fine but there needs to be an end. You know, we all have those friends who send text messages that are those horrific missives that just are running on rambling stream of consciousness. There's no grammar, there's no spelling, there's no capitals or punctuation. It's just a hot mess. And you know when you see that pop up on your phone, your eyes you just roll your go, eyes, <laughs> uh, right? You don't even want to look at it. You're like, oh, you just type back, sweetie, call me. I can't read this. That's <laughs> at best. If you even acknowledge that it came through. That's how most of us talk, is that stream of consciousness instead of being intentional. Here's my first sentence. There's the period. Now I'm going to make my next point. And when you can speak decisively and intentionally that way, it just adds a gravitas, adds an authority. You're not being demanding. You're not saying this. It's not yelling. That's different. But it sounds like you mean what you say and you want people to be there with you as opposed to unsure. So just being careful about
1: that tonality piece makes a night and day difference in Gravitas. Love that. I'm taking notes, as you can probably yep. tell. Like that's why I keep looking down, uh, making sure I capture all of this. So were those the five or was, was there one more? No, there, look, there's so many others. So
0: five is an easy number, but I just wanted to make sure I'm pausing also and to to really practice as I preach and not just say, let me tell you number one. And here's number two, and here's number three, and here's number four. And people are going, oh my God, that's too many. Let her take a breath and let Karen talk, please.
1: Uh, Well, I do have one question. So I do thank you for the grace of of the space uh, and the pausing. What is your perspective on humor or laughing during the presentation for the speaker? I'm guilty of that sometimes. And you can throw tomatoes at me (laughs) if it's it's inappropriate, but, and I don't do it a lot, but I do try to have the audience warm to me and so uh, I'm just curious, is that a no-no or do it on a limited basis or not at all? Am I losing my authority by uh, infusing a bit of humor and smile? I'm going to give you my favorite and most annoying answer
0: on the planet, which is it, it depends.
1: Depends. <laughs> Yep, exactly.
0: <laughs> and that's always what, what is the truth, right? It is, is, it's about contextual appropriateness. Who is your audience? What is your topic? What is the situation? Are you a chief information security officer who's addressing the board after a a massive security breach that's going to take a couple of days or weeks to right the ship on this? Starting with a joke, probably not not in your best interest. Are you giving a toast? A good number of jokes and comments along the the humorous lines will probably be well-received and prayed for by most people for that matter if it's something in the middle, dropping a little bit of humor to to just lighten the mood here and there is extremely valuable. Uh, who is your audience? Is it Are you in Japan or in Germany where
1: the cultures meetings
0: are, are culturally a lot more serious? Humor no? is not the same way. Whereas here in the US, dropping humor in here and there as a, a little sarcasm, a little of this or that is common, as long as it's maybe not at somebody else's expense or men in particular. I'm always amazed at the, the locker room talk that goes among men, how ways that women would never do to each other, men will insult each other right and left about mm-hmm. everything from intelligence to body size to you name it. And they just, but that's how they bond. Can you yes. imagine a couple of women talking to each other and in, in making weight jokes? Oh my gosh, no, you'd Not be ostracized <laughs> for the rest of your life and probably have a conversation in HR. But there right. is, it's- Guys can do that with each other in a way that women don't. Again, whether from one organization to another, it's appropriate or what, but it's who's your audience is all I'm saying. So Mm. humor has its place. And of course, what you joke about has its place and who can take it versus give it more than the other. Some people like it, some people don't. So knowing how sensitive is the person is the audience who it's in front of? I think there's definitely a time and a place. Humor is something that can break the ice. Humor is something that can equalize. Self-deprecating humor, if done the right way, can really make somebody less intimidating, much more relatable. I, I think there's it, if you can do it well, absolutely. What we do also want to be careful of on the flip side is allowing the nervous laughter to be let to to betray our. Uncertainty, certain times. There are, if you get asked a a hard question after a meeting or in front of the board or whoever it is, and you start every answer with a giggle, that's not Not appropriate. appropriate. That's not humor. That's just showing that you're very uncomfortable and that you don't know how to answer the question. And it shows a lack of maturity, shows a lack of gravitas. That's not going to work in your favor. So, just again, the who, the where, the when, the why, all those factors should be weighed and then appropriate
1: quantity and quality
0: of humor. Love that.
1: Oh, gosh, so many questions, so little time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, let me ask you this, uh, Dolora: If someone finds themselves, say, making a presentation, as you mentioned, and they find they're reading the room, they feel it's not going well, or if they are taken off track by someone in the audience or someone at the board table, as you mentioned, that might have some tough questions and they find themselves like deer in the headlights. Are there any tips or maybe one tip you can give them to get back on track? By chance, is it take a deep breath? Is it take a break and regroup? What do you recommend when things aren't going as well?
0: The, The breathing is something that people tend to poo-poo like, I know, take a deep breath first. No, you actually do have to breathe. It it helps. And here's a trick, okay? Here's a tip that everybody can use, and it's physical. When you feel that clench come up where you got asked the question that you're not really sure how to answer or that your brain is scrambling and you feel like you're, your car's in neutral, but you're flooring the gas pedal and everything's just spinning, first thing to check, can you uh, dislodge your tongue from the roof of your mouth? Most people don't um, realize that when they that gulp yes. that, that of tension and everything tightens up. When we swallow, we leave our tongue pressed to the roof of our mouth and we actually stop breathing. It closes off the windpipe. And that does prevent blood flow to the brain in a way that allows our brain to work optimally. So the mm-hmm. first thing to do is to just check, can I literally dislodge Unstick, unglue my tongue from the roof of my mouth. If you can do that, you'll also find that it then unhinges your jaw and your jaw will relax and then your neck muscles will relax. Your shoulders can come down and there'll be this muscular cascade down the body. And then you suddenly realize that you can inhale in a way that you couldn't before. But that's the trigger. Unlock your tongue from the roof of your mouth, allow the rest of the body to loosen in a cascade and then immediately take a deep breath. People are okay if you take a moment to think before you talk and following up with that to, even if you have paper with you, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, there's a lot to unpack in that question. Give me a second. I just want to organize my thoughts and then take a moment to jot down, don't script out your answer, but jot down two, three, four keywords of just stuff you want to hit on your, your punch list of sorts. There's not one person on the planet who, if you say, I just want a moment to to write down a couple of thoughts so I can organize it and give you a more concise, focused answer. There's not one person who's going to say, actually, no. Could you just start talking faster? And yeah, <laughs> me? Yes, I, I just want you to be that utter yes. stream of consciousness, and I'll try to figure out what it is that you mean. Oh, yeah. of course, you're going to say, "Go now!" You can't take five minutes, but you can take ten or fifteen seconds if they see you're writing something down, maybe nodding your head as you go, going, "Yes, this is what I want to say." You can buy yourself some time. So dislodge the tongue, breathe, start to jot down some notes, organize your thoughts and articulate your intention. Do what's called metacognitive processing. So telling them what your brain is doing in the moment, just give me a moment to write down my thoughts so that I can give you a clear, concise, organized answer and then write and then go. And and you'll find that things will fall into place much better from there.
1: Priceless, I love that. You're absolutely right. I knew about the breathing, but I didn't know about the tongue at the roof of the mouth. That is just uh, fascinating. So I'm gonna practice that starting today <laughs> if I ever. Um, I don't get nervous a lot when I speak, but you know there's always a few little butterflies when you're going to you know go out in front of a crowd or present, but uh, that is sure. a great tip to have in your hip pocket to get ready. Well, Dr. Laura, we are so pleased and thankful for the gift of your time of being on the on the podcast. We will definitely have all of the links to where to find you and additional resources in the show notes, but I always love to give our guests a chance to uh, give a voice to where to find you. So would you mind uh, letting our audience know where's the best places to reach you to learn more and to potentially engage you for their teams? My pleasure. Thank you so much for the
0: opportunity. Uh, You can certainly reach me, of course, find me on LinkedIn, connect with me and let me know that you heard us here on Karen's amazing show. So we want to be able to give Karen a shout out there too. And uh, from there, you can go to my website, which is vocalimpactproductions.com. And if you reach out to me from Vocal Impact Productions on the contact page and just let me know that you heard us here, I'm very happy to offer a tool, if that would be of value. May I offer a tool to to the guests? Absolutely, please. So there is a tool that I have. There's two actually you can ask for. One is an equipment, a recommended equipment list. Because I feel like most people still show up in these virtual spaces with an unchallenged standard of mediocrity, kind of wishing they could rename themselves in the corner of the window with a disclaimer that says, I just want you to know if you met me in person, you'd be impressed, <laughs> right? And so the way that you show up, there are ways, there's different kinds of microphones, lights, and things that change your image, that brand, really quickly. So if you let me know that you'd like the recommended equipment list, I'm very happy to share that with people. and. That way you don't have to boil the ocean and guess on Amazon which of the gazillion options is right for you. So I've pre-vetted a couple that I personally like. And the other option that people can request is a tool for, it's called listening to influence. And when you know that you have to have a conversation with someone that you're just not looking forward to, maybe you're regularly butting heads with that person, there's some friction, or you're constantly talking past each other, this can be a personal or a professional scenario, either one is completely relevant. This is a very simple protocol to follow to ensure that both people go into it with the expectation and leave with the catharsis of having felt, heard, and understood, finally being heard when you are exiting this conversation. And that's how you move that needle forward. There may be many other conversations to follow before you come to a, okay, so what's the solution? But You know that at the end of this conversation, you won't just be talking at someone and feeling like, why aren't you listening to me? You will leave with the guarantee that you will feel heard and understood, and so will they. And I'm happy to share that protocol.
1: Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Laura, for offering that to our audience members. And uh, thank you, audience members, for listening to this episode. Make sure, make sure you go to the show notes to go to the link to her website ask for the tool. You don't get a lot of things these days for free. She's offering this as a valuable tool for you to use in the next day or so. And I'm sure she has a lot of other resources on, on her site as well, as well as to pick up her book. And we'll have links to all of that as well. So once again, thank you, Dr. Laura, for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Karen. It was an honor to be here. All right. And thank you again, listeners, and hope to see you again next week. Take care. Hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Dr. Laura Socola, author of the book, Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. Links to her bio, her entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform of choice, and on the web at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of the leadership voice. Today, I want to share a renowned resource on helping you to develop your own leadership voice. It is the book called The Leader's Voice, How Your Communication Can Inspire Action and Get Results. It was written by authors Boyd Clark and Ron Crossland, with the leadership expert Tom Peters actually providing the foreword to the book. It's an oldie but goodie of a book. Um, And it was one that my team at Microsoft used when we were developing our high potential leaders, but whose lessons still apply today. The leader's voice is backed up by over 20 years of communications research after the authors uh, reviewed over 1,100 examples of leadership communication. Their big point is that leaders at their best communicate simultaneously on three levels, factual, emotional, and symbolic. And they use the acronym FES to articulate the model. This is how leaders such as John F. Kennedy and Margaret Thatcher and Martin Luther King Jr. discovered their leadership voice and commanded an audience through very artful communication. I hope today's info will really help to jumpstart your thinking and, you know, get you ready to create your own leadership voice. If you'd like to learn more about uh, leadership in action and how to build your own leadership skills, uh, we have a lot of information on our programs on the web at developingyourgame.com. Thanks again for joining this episode. Please remember to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends so that they too can lead at the top of their game. Thanks again for listening and see you next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, by searching for the name Karen Rhodes, with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N, and if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.